Alright, welcome back to Nostalgia, your weekly look at what's going on in pop culture. I'm here with my co-host Dave Martinson. He's living in his own, I guess it would be your own fantasy or delusion. Well, I do play fantasy sports year-round, so it makes sense. How, how's your fantasy baseball team doing, Dave? First place. First place. Yeah. Not friend of the show, Adam Mahalik, recently <laughs> lost to a bad team. And because I have one more tie and he has one more loss, winning percentage has granted me first place yet again. So Adam's taking on water and your team's rising to the top. Yeah. You have a pretty stacked team, right? I haven't made any moves in a long time because there's just no one to cut. My team is just too good. Wow. That's a good problem to have. It is a good problem to have. Well, Expand the roster so we have more people. <laughs> we have a loaded show for you today. We're going to be talking songs of summer, some TV news, as well as somebody that we haven't heard from in a long time did something pretty big recently. So Yeah, we'll we, we only talked about him like three weeks ago. Yeah, but I mean, we haven't heard from him in a while. Yeah. So. Why don't we jump into songs of summer? Because me and you were, were sending some texts back and forth this weekend talking a little bit about... A song that you really like, Dave, that you're about two weeks late on. Because I remember sitting with you in your living room one night, and I was like, play this song. It was like right right after it came out, and you were like, ah, what is this song? And you put it on, and you were kind of lukewarm on it, and now you're all in. I don't remember that. That's also because I'm not mm. a big fan of the Chainsmokers, generally speaking. Conveniently doesn't remember that. <laughs> yeah. There's no proof. Yeah, show me those receipts, okay? <laughs> We live in 2016. The Chainsmokers are hit or miss EDM duo for me. They have, what, one EP and a F ton of singles right Mm -hmm. now, and most of those singles are fine. I'm not a huge house music person, but I really, really, really like Closer. Closer's a great song. I think it's just, like, perfect house pop. Like, it's really, really good. Yeah, Closer came out about two weeks ago. Yeah, and features Halsey, and Mm -hmm. she's a rising star, especially in the alternative world. Recognize her name. It's funny, because I I was listening. I was like, did they they just leave someone out in the feature list? Because one of said Chainsmokers was singing, and I wasn't aware they did that. It's the first time. So I I assumed it was somebody else. Yeah, it's actually pretty cool. They, I think, sing at, at least backup on a lot of their songs, which Disclosure actually does as well. Yeah, another uh, big fan of mine. I like Disclosure a lot as well. Yeah, and I think that that's a, a growing trend with EDM is that not only are they mixing, but a lot of times they're performing in some way, like Chainsmokers. They sing, but they also mix. Disclosure, they play the bass and the, the drums while they mix. Mm-hmm. Big Gigantic, another band that plays live instruments too. EDM. So would you say that Closer is your favorite song of the summer? Personally, yeah, I think so. It just got to number one in the country for this upcoming week. Number one. Which is, that's a pretty quick rise, less than a month. Unseated Sia, Cheap Thrills, which had it for a few weeks. It's a good song too. And Sia had taken it from One Dance, which had it for quite some time. And I Mm -hmm. think This Is What You Came For, I believe, had it for a while as well too. With Calvin Harris, yeah. And then, then I think we're going back to like... When Panda briefly Panda. was at the top. Panda, Panda. I don't know. Does Panda count as a song of the summer? Because we, heard, we heard it before the summer. Well, it was released, what, last year? December. And, and then Life of Pablo was February? Yep. And somehow it's and just had this crazy long song life. It's still which, a top 20 song. Which, which we don't see impressive. anymore. Is the song is lasting this long in, in the top 20 list. So I would say Panda is a song of summer, only because I think its popularity really rose around sure. April, May. And you still kept hearing it all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially after he releases Timmy Turner remix, mm-hmm. I feel like he gained a second life or a yeah. third life at this point. I still don't understand how Timmy Turner is doing so well. That's also a, a top 20 song right now. 
So you would say that Closer is a better song than Cheap Thrills, Cold Water. I don't think Cold Water is good. Wow. I do not. I think that song hmm. is mess of not. You not, feel like it's a mess. I think it's a mess of not great all around. Beaver kind of phoned it in. Mediocre production from. You feel like Beaver phoned the, it in. The Diplo. It, it actually. It's a major laser song. Diplo song. Uh, it's a major laser yeah. song. And Mo, you know, doing her thing. Mo so. sounds the same in every song. Yeah. But you think Beaver phoned it in? Yeah. I feel like it fits with where, where Beaver's at right now. Uh, it does. It does. I, I don't necessarily think that speaks to the quality, though. Now, not download that song. I don't think it's that great. Okay. Th- I think that that's fair. I would say that Cold Water is a good song. It's not as good as Closer. I mean, I think in EDM, this is what you came for, Calvin Harris. Also kind of a vanilla track. Yes. With, with Rihanna, of course. But I'd rather take that. And then thinking, like, this is, a little, this is even older, but, like, Mike Posner took a pill in a Biza remix. Yeah. That's older song, but it had really long legs. That's been big right Can't now. Can't Stop the Feeling, one of our favorite songs. Justin yeah. Timberlake <laughs> threw his hat in the ring. Top ten right now, still. It Unbelievable. Was like, I think it was top two or three. There's also an Adele song, which I did not recognize. Yeah, I was just looking at that. I'm not aware. Kind of strange. Um, have not heard it, but... So I would agree with you. I think that this is the song of the summer. I think Closer encapsulates not only a feeling that a lot of people feel in the summer, but it's just, it's light, it's airy, it's fun to listen to, it's fun to dance around to, you can dab to it, I mean, it has everything that you want. Yeah. You texted me this weekend asking if it was one of the best EDM songs of all time. I also am very hit or miss relationship with EDM music. Either it does it for me, it doesn't do it for me. A thumbs up or a thumbs down. And house music in general, basic, like, traditional house music, mm-hmm. just does not interest me. It's Why the not, hate? Not my thing. Tiesto, Swedish House Mafia... Alesso, those kind of DJs, those acts, Daft Punk even. I don't say that they're bad, that is not for me, not a fan at all. So like a more poppy house track, a la mm-hmm. this Chainsmokers song, really, really does it for me. I think it's better than Roses, and also that's because I think when you have a song called Roses featuring Roses, I think that's really tacky to self-title your single when you're the feature. Dave, say you'll never let me go. No. <laughs> yeah, that that hook though is they they really are great at coming up with songs that catch you and that Yeah, no that's the first song that actually made me pay attention because I mean they, they came out of the scene with Selfie, which is a funny song, funny yep. video. And they actually have a decent amount of material out, just like I said, a lot mm-hmm. of singles. But yeah, Rose definitely paid attention to it, obviously. Very big, very popular. But yeah, I never really stayed up on on tabs with them until I heard this closer song recently. Yeah, they had another song. What was it? Don't let me down. Isn't yeah, not for not. Don't doesn't do it for me. Down. It's a. I mean, it's an okay song. I, I think my thing with Chainsmokers is because they're like a lot of minimalist beats, mm-hmm. and usually combined with a, a sample or a, just you know guest vocals. Right. If those guest vocals don't do it for me, it's not going to be a mm. song I like. Just because I'm already not a big house guy, so the minimalist beat needs to be joined with some something that. I latch on to, and I really like Closer singing. What would you say are your other favorite EDM songs of all time, then? This is interesting. Yeah, usually definitely like a lot of trap stuff. So, R.L. Grime, he has a Mercy remix, Kanye West, Mercy, mm-hmm. and then he has a Love Sosa, Chief Keef remix. Probably my two favorite trap remixes. And then, I really like what Skrillex started doing with his 2014 album, Recess. Like, he went to mm-hmm. that, like, bro-step sound, as they say. Away, away from traditional dubstep, which right. I feel like is kind of grading and also mm-hmm. I feel like a little 
kind of passed that time a, a little bit as well. And then he kind of evolved with that for the Jack U project last year right. with Diplo. Uh, there's a lot of good songs in there. To You with Luna George, mm. criminally underplayed. Luna George in general, big fan of them. Uh, You're a huge Luna George fan. Yeah. You ride hard for them. I ride hard for Luna George. Mean what I mean. <laughs> that should be a song of the summer, but it's not uh, bubbling as, as strongly as it should be. Right. But they have an album coming out next month, which I'm excited for. So it sounds like you enjoy more of like a harder EDM sound. I guess was a way to describe it. Trap is usually sure. considered a little bit, uh, I don't want to say darker, because I don't think that that's the right term, but mm-hmm. it just goes harder. It general. does, yeah. yeah. I think that even a technical standpoint for beats per minute. Right. But um, I mean, I'll go through like Trap City and All Trap Music, the two mm-hmm. big YouTube channels, and I'll go back and listen to the last like three months of the songs they deemed worthy of posting. And right. usually I only la- only pick a few songs that I actually like and end mm-hmm. up downloading. So even though that's the genre I'd go to, it's still... Hit or miss. Mm-hmm. The EDM's hit or miss for me. There's been a lot of house EDM songs that I think, just because they have a much broader appeal than Trap, they throw their hat in the ring for discussion of best EDM songs of all time. You mentioned Swedish House Mafia, Don't sure. You Worry Child, was maybe the most popular EDM song for like two mm-hmm. or three years. Um, uh, VG Levels. Yeah, Levels. Titanium by Calvin Harris is a really popular mm-hmm. song. Yeah. You don't like that? No. Sia, Sia killed that. That's the first time I heard of Sia, though. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, I'm sure more David Guetta songs. Especially oh, there's OG David Guetta, OG TS, though. Yep. There's 30 years of music. I mean, even Get Lucky is probably sure. one of the most popular EDM sure. songs of the past, I don't even know, help, decade. Help Pharrell yeah. uh, bring that, that comeback when he became super mainstream again. So I, I think this is a, a song to keep, keep our eye on. Closer is a fantastic song. It'll be played... Basically, probably through the rest of the year. I wouldn't even be surprised if it made it into next spring, maybe even yeah, well, into Chainsmokers. I, I, I think that's the important distinction, because a lot of the other songs that stayed big this mm-hmm. summer, a lot of them came out before the summer started. Panda, One Dance, Word yep. From Home, From Fifth Harmony. Love that song. I, I love the dog featured in that song. <laughs> I love Shout that. out to Ty But yeah, most of like the songs that have, that have you know trying to take off this summer, Chainsmokers came out literally right in the middle of summer. Mm-hmm. And also interesting, I think I mentioned this to you before, but... This seemed like a, a year, another year for uh, Katy Perry to start dropping some singles and lead up to another album, because Prism was 2014, right. and she's been kind of quiet. And she, I, I, recently, she actually released, uh, I think, two songs, and she has a video out already. Hmm. And so far, they're not really that big, so I think that's interesting to see if Katy Perry, maybe it'll, I guess it'll be the fall at this point, but... Taylor Swift claims another victim. We'll see. We'll see. I want to jump into some TV talk before we, we talk about Frank Ocean. So, Mr. Robot... I think my greatest fear about the season came true. Because greatest fear? It was a fear? I, it was a fear. Because I think, for me, I wanted, I did not want there to be a huge twist to, to the extent where it felt like they had been hiding something from us for weeks. Mm. I, I wouldn't mind if it's for an episode, something happens. I'll agree it took too long to get there. It definitely did. And I think that... Even if if they did something like the '80s, you know, sitcom thing, that was where, awesome. Which I think <laughs> actually was important for them to set this up because it's showing that Elliot uses this as a way to like cope with things. Yeah, it's for establishing sure. that he does. But the fact that he's been in a jail the whole time is so fucking annoying. See, <laughs> am I mad about this? But then I realized, no, not really, because he's already been so removed from the rest of this, the plot. Mm-hmm. Whether this was his real life or it wasn't, right? We know he's an unreliable narrator. So the fact that this is what's ha- this is the re- the reality as far as we know now. Why would I ever invest in Elliot now, though? Well, yeah, I think that that's the bigger question. I don't have a problem with the fact that he's actually in jail. Mm-hmm. I've I think the more the question is that Elliot and his you know internal problems not as relatable to the average person. But even if, leaving that up to the side, 
his internal struggle just isn't as compelling as the rest of the characters this season. Not, Namely, Angela and Adam. Right, and I don't think I felt angry that this happened. I just felt more disappointed. Because when I was thinking about this season, what, where I, I really wanted to go was I wanted to see how Elliot could move forward. I wanted to learn more about his background. And I think I, we're still learning that, though. I, I think we absolutely are. But I also wanted to be able to feel like I could trust the things that we see. And... Mm. Essentially, there's two shows at the moment. Oh, there absolutely are, but I, I I trust everything going on with Angela and F Society, and I guess now it seems like the Dark Army's coming into it and plays some kind of role with Evil Corp. Right. But I, I can't trust anything you see with Elliot. I mean, even the memory that he they showed between him and his dad when he was younger. You want to think that that's true, but how can you say that, that that's a, a real memory for sure? And does it matter? I don't know, but then mm-hmm. that means that really nothing that goes on with Elliot really matters. And that's kind of sad, because Rami is such a brilliant actor. I don't, I don't know, want to say it because it doesn't it. matter. It just has to be interesting again. It'll matter to everyone once it's interesting How, how can again. it be interesting if I don't know if it's going to be real at the end? Well, I think that's that's why the show was, everyone was into the show in the beginning, is because it, it takes risk. It's different. Sure. It's still different. I think you just have to get on board with... Sam Esmeo's vision, and we've already talked at nauseum about some of the issues with him directing everything and mm-hmm. not wanting to cut things out. So there was sometimes extraneous scenes, and that certainly played into putting off this reveal, which is definitely a negative. Mm-hmm. But the fact that the show has kind of evolved, and it gets gotten a little bigger. Mm-hmm. Angela is a full-blown POV character now, mm-hmm. and Dom, Grace Gummer, is killing it, especially yeah. last episode brand new person who's immediately really interesting and super relatable, way more relatable than Elliot. So I think we've already seen Elliot getting more accepting of his relationship with Mr. Robot, right? Sure, he, so, he hugged him. He thanked him. Yeah. So I think where Elliot's still... I, I don't want to write off what's happened for him this season yet because there's still four more episodes. Technically five, but four and five are in the same day or whatever. So we're still in the middle. Should right. this reveal have happened a few weeks ago? Yeah, probably. Yeah. But I'm not going to chalk it up as a negative yet till I see how the season ends. It's going to be interesting because I think there's definitely another shoe to drop. I don't think Mr. Robot was totally honest about what happened with Tyrell. I don't believe that he's dead. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. But then I wonder what is Elliot in jail for and how did he get there? Actually, do we need Tyrell? I think yes. Within the show, Tyrell is like a super criminal now. Obama says the words Tyrell Wellick on TV in the show. Right, which is cool. So like, how do we get him back? What does he do? But there's so many hints that, and I feel like almost in a way there has to be something that, like some overarching theme or person or character that's going to like drive this forward. And I feel like Tyrell is that person because he was the one that really latched on to F Society at the end. Yep. He was like, this is awesome. This can push him much forward. Did. And something really needs to pull Elliot back in. I don't think he's going to pull back in unless there's some kind of stakes that either put... Angela at, at risk. Well, I think Angela's like going to start is. driving stakes herself. Because right. I think she's going to start pushing the opposite direction. Yeah. But then we need something to push back against them. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't, from what you see, Darlene doesn't seem to be able to really move Elliot to do anything until Angela's actually pushed into it. Until the, the stakes yeah. are, are, are shown that something could happen to Angela. And it also makes you wonder, you know, when Darlene visited him in the house, right. she obviously knew he was actually in jail. Why do you think Elliot's in jail? Did he get busted at the end of the finale? I don't know. It's very interesting. And how did he get in jail without everyone else getting in jail? Right. seems like an unrelated, isolated incident kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Don't know. I think we're going to find that out very soon, though. 
how long is he going to be in there? That's another question. Yeah. And I just wanted to ask you real quick, because I know that this is kind of your boy, Joey Badass. What yeah. do you think of him this week? One full badass. <laughs> yeah. He was cutting it up, so to speak. You know, it's funny. Last week, when the, the skinhead light guys came, threatened Leon and Elliot at the basketball court, I'm like, mm-hmm. skinhead like people, where, where do they come from? Mm-hmm. Now it makes total sense. Right. It just it threw me off in the beginning, but now I get it. You know? I, I had been hoping I was wrong about the about this being what the reveal is going to be that he was actually in jail but when I saw the skinheads I was like there's no chance that this isn't because it didn't make any sense to mm. just to the rest of society yeah but see I, I think I like it better that he was in jail this whole time as opposed mm-hmm. to him not being in jail and then going to jail right yep. like it was I don't know I feel like combining the two things as we're watching very strange too that his therapist visited him in jail sure it's not, they already have a very strange relationship. Yeah, that's not appropriate, though, for a therapist. It's coming from one. So. <laughs> Moving on to Night Of. Night Of this week, penultimate episode, what'd you think? Initial reaction. Awesome. You liked it. I love this show. This show is, once again, it's adept at commanding my attention no matter what happens on screen. I just, oh, it's super I, it's interesting. so good. The guy that played the, the investigator, the guy... Dr. Kaz? Yeah, Dr. Kaz. Oh my god, he was awesome. <laughs> so good. I couldn't take my eyes off that guy as he was talking. As was the uh, the prosecutor. Yeah, She's absolutely. really good, too. The this, this show... Wonderfully cast. Uh, yeah, this, the deep bench bringing in talented veteran character actors mm-hmm. to do small roles like a Dr. Kaz, like the pharmacist. Yeah. Like, the list goes on. Very well cast. Shout out HBO. Absolutely. Oh, and you were right. It's not Sin, it's Sinbad on the tattoos. Right. I, I kind of figured after they asked him what his name was going to be. Legend of the Seven Seas. Baby. I mean, if you want to have two words on your hands, Sin and Bad during a trial are definitely two of the worst ones you could choose. Yeah, man. <laughs> Anyways. Free base in that Coke. Sorry, crack. <laughs> I, the transformation of Nas has been heartbreaking. That's, that's what the show's about. But I'm super convinced. interesting. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. And... I mean, I think we spoke last week about how the timing of it can seem different um, and kind of off, but it really makes a lot of sense, you know, for who he is, but also seeing how his family also responds to this. And it was... Yeah, no matter what happens, the family's ruined. Yeah, and... Emotionally and as as a unit, anyway. Well, you saw this week, especially his mom, it seems to be carrying a heavy toll. I mean, his brother already got kicked out of school because he's you know lashing out through anger got beat up before yeah. dad seems to be trying to hold on to hope that Nas didn't do this but mom doesn't know what to do she feels like he's an animal ignored his phone call and Nas is feeling really sad and Chandra who's been killing it so it was I didn't like that at all I didn't like that either so Chandra goes in and kisses Nas while they're in, talking in a cell after like I think two separate trial scenes in the episode mm-hmm. yeah I don't like that at all because it really just short shifts her character which has been really good and Amara Khan's acting is like Riz Ahmed's really good with mm-hmm. portraying things without exposition or dialogue just in body yeah. movement Bill Camp's Detective Box mm-hmm. same way and like yes they, they established that she broke up with her girlfriend and Turturro was like I don't fucking care boyfriend <laughs> she broke up with her sorry he broke up with her boyfriend Turturro didn't, didn't care at all he's like yeah. let's get back to work yep. so they said that so she's obviously dealing with some kind of emotional turmoil. But I still think it's better if the overlooked person at the law firm who was only brought in because she is also Pakistani or Indian and therefore could be used right. to mislead the mm-hmm. Khan family. Her actually displaying ability in the trial. Yeah. I thought that was a better way to go about it than taking seemingly this kiss scene from some other TV show and putting it in this. 
the I, only I, really thing I have a problem with all season. No, I totally agree, and that was it. Did kind of short shift her in a way because, and I'm worried it's going to be consequential next episode because they they highlighted on the fact that it was recorded on the camera, and I imagine it probably has to be in some way. So Turturro does right. more stuff, and it's I can right. understand that, but it's too bad because. I feel like she's kind of a scene stealer in a way for somebody yeah, no, who absolutely totally unknown. Every time she's on the screen, I, I can't take my eyes off her. Like I said about Doctor Kaz, but I, I think wh- what you notice with Chandra is like like this week when the the school teacher is like, "Yeah, you did it twice," and you could you yeah, obviously exactly. she know that, and you just see in her face the way that she portrays that is yeah. wonderful. The way it's she amazing. the way she cross examines her witnesses and the way her inexperience comes out when things like that mm-hmm. happen, she does it both really well. Right, and but to portray that as as a, an up-and-coming actor who no one has heard of amongst all these other awesome actors. I mean, yeah. you're sitting next to Turturro, who's has maybe one of the longest resumes in acting out there right now, yep. and you're kind of showing him up in a way. It's pretty amazing. Yep, that's right. And it's also, I think we talked about episode way back, soundcloud.com slash nostalgiapod, where there aren't enough women who are getting roles where they're leading roles and they're not connected to men in some way. Exactly. And this is... A, a perfect opportunity, and now it's kind of squashed, yeah. which is unfortunate. Sad. Absolutely. Predictions for last episode. We've been getting hints, as Nas has been token, <laughs> free based on that crack slash heroin. I think it's crack, right? It's white. <laughs> it's something. I'm not. I don't actually know what heroin looks like, so I would. I wouldn't know. N- not a big uh, heroin guy, Dave. If you, if you, <laughs> if you're you're sure you know what Nas is smoking, make sure you tweet at me. At Nostalgia Pod or personally at Martin Swagger and let me know if I'm wrong. <laughs> but as he's been getting high or calming down, you know, getting lit, whatever, in his cell, mm-hmm. he's been having like more like flashback scenes, right? Like recollections, I, I would assume mm-hmm. is what we're supposed to believe they are. I just have this feeling that we're gonna he's gonna have another recollection and I think he's gonna realize that he actually did kill her. But I think he might get off, even though he actually did it. But, but this whole time, he legitimately didn't remember. So you think that Nas will get off even though it will be shown that he's guilty? I'm wondering if he will get off for this, you know, this murder that we're not sure if he did or did not. I think right. that we will see in a vision some something that might point mm-hmm. to some kind of clarity on that. However, I, I'm going to stand by what I said in the past, that Nas will do something in jail. It might even be what we see at the end of this episode, where mm-hmm. it, he'll have to stay in jail, even though yeah. he'll be proven. Yeah, I don't think time. the resolution of the trial is what the show is about. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of been clear the whole time, as Nas has made his Rikers Island descent. Also, as we've seen other suspects presented, Dwayne Reed, Tom from House of Cards... Mm-hmm. Etc. Oh, the, the Undertaker, oh, the, the Zodiac killer who drives the hearse. None of those guys. I think those those hair, those are just red herrings, and right. I'll give it enough context to be present. But there's no way the show is actually commit to one of them over the other. No, I don't think so. If they were to pick one, I guess they would do Paul Sparks' character just because he's the biggest actor of the bunch and he's mm-hmm. gotten the most scenes. But I really don't think that's what it's about. It just wouldn't make sense for how the show's been going. And I, I do like I do like that prediction that maybe Nas either does something else or his accessory to murder at the end of the penultimate right. episode help gets him makes him stay in jail. That makes a lot of sense. So moving on to I guess you could probably do a TV show about this mystery. Where's Frank been, man? <laughs> and writing Blonde, I guess. So what did, what did you think? I mean, I haven't listened to it. Full disclosure. So this is going to be really a Dave album review moment. Everybody lit your cigarettes. 
I don't know. Scotch. I, you know, I don't, I don't have a whole lot to say about it yet. I've listened to it once in full and then been poking around a little bit as well. It's, I think, 17 eight or 18 songs. A few of those songs are like a minute and change, though. It's really interesting, though, because he released that endless visual album. It's like 45 minutes, a few songs tinkered, tinkered in there. It came out today. What was he building in that? Well, I, I haven't watched it. I, I, I just like I haven't watched Lemonade. Okay, you know, I just not whatever. <laughs> but that album satisfied Frank Ocean's Def Jam contract he signed back in '09. So Blonde is an independent Frank Ocean release. Hmm. That's a very interesting wrinkle. Tell me what that means. It just means that he is not beholden to sharing any of the receipts with mm-hmm. anyone else besides, you know, like <laughs> Apple Music or whatever. However, that works. But he released it under Boys Don't Cry, which evidently is Frank Ocean's new independent label. Ah, interesting. How about that? Hmm. How about that? So he would probably be, what, the second biggest independent person in the Since game? Since he's technically an independent Chance? artist? Yeah, Chance. Uh, Mac Miller's no longer independent, so those two. And uh, the guy that most longevity is Tech 9 but hmm. he's always been a Tech Nine? huge underground guy, but people know him. Yeah. Uh, he's got, like, you know. 20 albums. Caribou Lou, dude. That's all yeah. I listen to. Caribou Lou. It's, his go- it's actually funny. His song Fragile with Kendrick Lamar from like three years ago just went gold. Hmm. Shot independent. <laughs> you can do it too if you get a Kendrick Lamar feature. With, we're going to actually stop podcasting and just try to go independent artists from here on out. Dude, so. <laughs> well, um, speaking of songs of the summer, No Problem is getting more and more radio play. Shout out Chance. No Problem is a great song. Yeah, fantastic. Um, Two Chains. Great guest verse. Bringing it back to... Boys Don't Cry. Yeah. How would how would you even describe this album? I don't know what to explain. Well, you know what's really dumb is Apple describes it as pop. It's not pop. It's R&B. It's Frank blues. Ocean has never been pop. Soul, yeah. Even not- the most generic, broad definition, how could you call this pop? You have other genres in your database. Yeah. I, I, I think you would probably go blues or something. Well, because like when R&B. I, when I uh, put it in my iTunes, it was defaulted to pop, and I was like... Is this not the album I expected to be? <laughs> <laughs> You're about to hear Katy Perry on all these tracks. <laughs> I mean, what am I? He's got an awesome Andre 3000 appearance for his second album in a row. Hmm. Shout out Frank Ocean for that. Yeah, I saw that Three Stacks was on one of these record. Uh, what is it called? Solo the- Reprise? Is that it? Correct. People that live in caves and don't talk to anyone, they stick together evidently. Maybe it was the same cave. Who knows? Interesting. What is this album about? I, I, I it's, another, really- it's emotional. It's romantic. It's... Sad that he raps on one of the songs, which Frank has demonstrated that ability. Listen to Oldie, the Odd Future posse cut that's 10 minutes long from Odd Future Tape Volume 2. Frank Ocean, mm-hmm. amazing rap verse in this. Right. So he brought that back, which is cool. It's like when Chris Brown raps, you know? Not common, but when it happens, you're like, oh, nice. Yeah. Ability. I, I enjoy, I enjoy that. <laughs> I, I was looking around, just kind of reading some articles here and there. One of the ones that caught me, probably just because... I was pretty blown away by some of the credits he had on here. Oh, yeah. Sure, sure. David Bowie was listed. Kanye West. Jamie XX. <laughs> Young Lean is listed. <laughs> Kendrick Lamar. Beyonce. The yeah, Beatles. Kendrick and Beyonce have uh, like very acute background vocals on their own two different songs. Kendrick loves to do those background vocals now, dude. <laughs> Jamie XX. Did he produce one of the songs? You know, it's really funny. I was looking at the liner notes on Wikipedia, and then I was looking at them on a rap genius. or I think it's just genius now. And Wikipedia had Playboy Cardi listed as a guy with background vocals, and I was like, Frank Ocean has Playboy Cardi on his album? You love Playboy Cardi. No, I mean, I don't... He First of all, he doesn't even have an official project. Strange. But I couldn't find that backed up anywhere, so I think someone was just trolling Wikipedia. 
but yeah, there's a lot of interesting collaborations. I think Tyler's obviously involved. Mm-hmm. Pharrell's in it. Yep, yep, for sure. Uh, James Blake as well. Your boy um, did not like his second. The color album. in anything. Literally cannot. You can't, that's an album where you can't tell when it's track one or it's track ten. Like, did not do it for me at all. But I really like the first, uh, his second album though, uh, Overgrown. That's Overgrown. Good, that's good stuff. Retrograde and mm-hmm. Retrograde's amazing. Life round here. Retrograde is actually a perfect song, but yeah, that's good. I, uh, I, I'm looking at the liner notes now. Tyler the Creator produced a few songs. Mike Dean. Interesting. That Tyler the Creator is moving into a production role. Yeah, he's been doing that for some time. I, I would never have imagined him. He's a, he's a talented guy, man. Five years ago, when he came on the scene, that he would big be big into fashion. Guy. You know, crazy. I mean, he really just seemed like a goofy, weird punk. Sure, he was. He was just an angry guy. Split expletives when he's mm-hmm. 17, and apparently. Those lyrics from like six years ago still mi- prevent him from getting into the UK wow. to perform and stuff. That, that's over really over stuff he said long ass time ago that he has clearly grown past. Right. So that, that's, that's kind of questionable. What, what was the, What was the original song? Yonkers. I listened to Yonkers. Oh, Yonkers is fantastic. So good. I, I was like, where did Tyler stab Bruno Mars in his goddamn esophagus yeah. and stop until the cops come in? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what put him on the map. Tyler and Pharrell also wrote the song Pink and White, which I believe that's where Beyonce pops up on. Hmm. Kendrick, like I said before. If you like Frank Ocean, give it a listen. There's a lot uh, to unpack. That's why I really don't have a whole lot to say yet, just because it's a multi-layered album. There's a lot of a lot of feels on there. It starts out, the very first song, Nikes, it starts out very distorted voice. So I was listening to that, I was like, did I download the wrong version? Is this corrupted? Was, was I being trolled? But then mm-hmm. Frank goes back to his normal self halfway through the song. Gotcha. So... Interesting. Cool. Yeah, he's definitely an interesting artist. We mentioned that in the past. Why don't we give it a listen? On a random Saturday. That that's the way it goes now, man. It's all yeah. just about surprise. Another another surprise album. How do you feel about that? I don't like it on a weekend though. No one event listens to albums on the weekend in the middle of the summer. True. I don't think Frank cares about that though. Mm. And definitely not. I I do think one of the things that's become really funny about them is seeing the reaction on Twitter. Twitter makes everything better, in my opinion. It does. Because it really does, especially live events. Oh, absolutely. But when like an album gets dropped, to seeing memes, seeing people's like thoughts or like the reactions to it. Link me, bro. Yeah, it's really, really interesting. I think it adds a layer mm. of excitement. Final thought on Frank Ocean's Blonde, stylized with no E, of course. No clear effort for a radio song. No clear effort to bring in potential new fans. This is Frank Ocean doing more Frank Ocean, clearly servicing the people that have been clamoring for his album for so long. He actually joked about that on his Tumblr. It was kind of funny. He was like, uh, and thanks to everyone who let me know that I need to finish, which was basically all of you. (laughs) That's really funny. It's actually, I I think the point you're making is a really good one because every artist that we've really gone through and broken down their records, uh, except for maybe like YG and and, and Ray Ray Shreman or... Shreman. Yeah, I'm not going to say it right. Sway Lee and Slim Jimmy. Yeah. Brothers. (laughs) Those ones are younger. They're, They're trying to make more of a name. People like Kanye... Kendrick, Beyonce, you can look back at those albums and none of them really had clear cut singles. Yes, famous is, but the first line says he fucked Taylor Swift. That's not a yeah. song you'll hear on the radio a lot. Yeah. So a lot of, that's the direction a lot of artists are moving to now and I think yeah. I think pop culture is Beyonce general had formation. Shifted. That was on the radio a lot. That's true. I forget formation is part of that because it was released separately. Before the Super Bowl. Right. Yeah. Sorry it was on the radio too, but that's not a really a radio song. About Becky the Good Hair. Right. Untitled and Unmastered 2, I guess, was that, when I got the most played, but that's not a radio song. That's not even... That, that is 
unmastered. You know, that was right. that was just put out to continue the victory lap for Kendrick Lamar. So sure. that was it. You know, but yeah. actually, Untitled Two and Untitled Seven actually did get some radio burn. So, yeah, interesting. You know, I guess the quality speaks at the end of the day. Well, as Dave mentioned before, follow us at NostalgiaPod on Twitter, SoundCloud.com slash NostalgiaPod. Dave's at Martin Swagger. I'm at Sheeny World Peace. I'm going to go see Prophets of Rage this weekend nice. in Brooklyn. You going to watch the Get Down Flicks uh, or Halt and Catch Fire on AMC? Probably not because I do not have cable, so I will not be watching Halt and Catch Fire and the Get Down I have no interest in. No? David Diggs is in it from Hamilton fame. Are you going to watch it? I am, yeah. I'm oh. down for that. Then Dave, I'm, in, I'm into it. We'll, we'll, I'll watch it eventually, just like I'll watch Stranger Things, you know? Then, then we can throw on our robe. We can get a glass of scotch and, and sit by the fire and listen to Dave give us his review of The Get Down, Episode 1, next week then, too. It's 90 minutes, so yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have a lot to say. And here, special now stage of bonus content, is friend of the show Brian Hines' review of <laughs> not-so-big box office hit starring Jonah Hill and Miles Teller, War Dogs. Enjoy. Give us your one-minute review of War Dogs. We'll use it in the future. Oh, yeah, go. It was a rather interesting film. It was not very funny. I'll say it wasn't a comedy, right? No, I mean, like, we had some, like, good one-liners from Jonah Hill, you know, just saying some pretty, you know, obnoxious and vulgar shit, and, you know, that always gets a few chuckles out of us. Sure. He's good at that. Simpletons. Exactly. But I don't know, the story was pretty good, you know, it had a pretty good message of pretty much the guy was just trying to do it to provide for his young baby, you know, like, what the hell is he mm-hmm. going to do? Mm-hmm. You know, it showed some issues that he had with his family, you know, aligning with his wife, clearly about his occupation and the struggles that that kind of arises. Okay. And then eventually it came full circle at the end. With Typical the, Todd know, Phillips movie, actually. Yeah. The way darker, and you think it's just a comedy, like Due Date and the second, third Hangovers, and the old school of- even. <laughs> But then they kind of brought it all together with showing how, like, kind of much, like, I, don't, I think the coolest part was when he pointed out Jonah Hill's character and how he'd always just try and be exactly what he was speaking to wanted him to be. Yep. Huh. Like, in the elevator at the end, he was just like, you're just pretending to be the person I want you to be right now, so I don't talk to this. I have a question. Mm-hmm. I heard it described as the first boring Miles Teller performance. Is that accurate? I can't say. I've seen a lot of Miles Teller's films, so Pat, um, I can't you saw it, that. it was definitely boring. I'll put it that way. That's I don't really know if it was disappointing. His first one. I mean, I didn't see Fantastic Four. I don't know yeah, if that was boring. He was good. He was the best part of that movie. Hmm. Well, then I was. But like in all like a Miles Teller comedies and stuff, he's a charming, scene commanding guy. Is he in Project X? Yes, yeah. he, bring, oh, okay. he brings all yeah. the drugs. That's what I thought. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Nice. We talked about I that. I do know some actors sometimes. Yeah. We, we <laughs> talked about that last week. That was one of his first roles, actually. Brian Hines, I'll have you on the podcast in the future to talk about. The Wire, ten years or fifteen years later. F now, now that you're rewatching it, yeah, I like watching the first season. I'm like, wow, they're using fucking typewriters. And this here's been a long round, so I gotta go. It's logic, the one nobody would vouch for. How's that shit for an outro? <laughs>